Hello listeners, hello followers, um, welcome to Mentally Sound Life in Lockdown podcast series. We're episode 31. Thank you if you're listening via Spice FM. Uh, we welcome your listenership at Spice FM 98.8 FM, broadcasting from near the heart of Newcastle's West End. And of course, you're listening online and it goes out worldwide. Uh, if you're listening on to our social media platforms, a reminder what they are. Twitter, we're at underscore Mentally Sound on Facebook. We're Mentally Sound Radio Show and on Instagram, Mentally Sound Radio. Just a reminder that uh, Mentally Sound is a mental health uh, radio show. Initially a, a radio show, we're now doing a podcast form for this year. Um, so yes, as it's a mental health show, a reminder that, you know, as a disclaimer, uh, you will be, you will likely to hear things that might be of a, a trigger nature to you. And if you're feeling vulnerable, please, please, please go out there, see your GP. Go to your nearest clinic, your nearest therapist, because that's what they're there for. And because it's been a tumultuous, tumultuous year, um, we are due even more so because we, we've all we've all felt a personal impact on our lives, which is why we've done this, uh, myself and Nikki. Nikki isn't on this uh, particular episode. She'll join us next time. But it's, it's a pleasure to, um, into, uh, to talk to our next guest. He's been on the show before, along with Paul, the walking blether. Uh, men's mental health group. It's a it's a, a walk and talk mental health group. We're going to do a follow up because we're going to do a general chat about men's mental health. Uh, also, they released their own podcast, which would be fascinating to hear how they how they got started with that. So, without further ado, we welcomed you to Richie. Hello, Richie. How are you doing? We're doing fine. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have you been since uh, last time? Would you would you like to remind our listeners how Walk and Blether got started? I know that um, uh, I think it's you you and Paul are based in Dundee. Am I right? Um, Paul's born in Dundee. I'm I'm in a place called uh, Newport on Tyne, which yeah. is basically just over the bridge. Yes. Um, from Dundee. Well, what it was, um, Ricky, about it was August last year. Yeah. I went to, uh, Paul is the landlord of the pub in Dundee called the Belgate Hill Bar. 
And I was talking to him about we need to do something for the people of Dundee. Because mm. look at Dundee throughout the whole of Scotland has the second highest suicide rates. Um, Orkney is top. Okay. Um, so I mean, you know, for a city like Dundee does have a lot of issues. I mean, they're trying to, you know, make it more desirable with the new VNA, and they are doing a lot of building work here and there. Mm. But, um, you know, especially with the Tayro Bridge, they're, I'm saying that quite a lot of people have gone to the bridge, you know, to um, either to try to take their own lives, or they have done. And I've said to Paul, even if we stop one person man or woman from going to the bridge you know as far as mm. I'm concerned we've done our job and Paul um, being one of the pub you have to be very you know funny and bright and you know it's, it's, it's not just a 9 to 5 job running a, a pub it's, it's very hard work mm. and well, I mean it's really hard for him at the moment because he can't really open um, mm. his pub mm-hmm. so that can affect his mental health mm. so so we've talked about it in in, in August. Uh, Paul's a massive Dundee fan, but the good thing about uh, Dundee, unlike in places like Glasgow, there's a lot of bands between the fans with Dundee, Dundee United uh, up here. You know, if it's a local derby, there'll be you know in their different kits going to the match, saying they say that what hasn't been won for about a year now. And then they go to, I mean, the grounds are literally 100 yards apart. Yeah. That close it is. When you, when you see it for the first time, it's really hard to, to, to believe, but it's so, it's so close. So with, with that in mind, it took quite a bit of planning. So we did, um, our first uh, walk and talk uh, happened November last year. Yeah. And we got loads of... Uh, Exposure on, on, on TV, mm. on social media, mm. um, the newspapers. Mm. We had a really great turn there. We raised nearly £2,000. Mm. So we split that between um, the Dundee FC Community Trust, mm. um, the Samaritans, and also um, it's a, a men's mental health charity called Andy's Man's Club. And they got a branch in Dundee, so we gave them. Um, some money as well. Mm. I mean, I almost feel that we should give a, another disclaimer to our, our listeners because, I mean, Richie and I are big football fans, so uh, don't think it's going to turn into a football podcast. Because, but they might do, you know, given that. But but the great thing about football, and I'm sure Richie would agree, is that um, men's mental health has seemed to, you know, even though football, you have the the um, the, the tribalisms involved, and you know. Richie mentions like the local rivalries, and we've got a, ri- a lot of rivalry this side of the border as well, of course. But there's something about men's mental health and, and the profile of men's mental health that's specifically kind of risen over the last few years. It's kind of united a lot of fans, hasn't there? Sort of, it's almost like um, it un- unites all colours, wouldn't you agree? Oh, definitely. I mean, I can give you more examples, Ricky. Like, uh, obviously, my team is Crystal Palace. I mean, that's where I've got the idea from. I know a few, I've got a few friends down, so obviously. I mean, they've met up with Fulham fans, mm. Arsenal fans. I mean, this, like, 
Yeah, you know, London derbies, but they're coming together for mental health. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just football can do a lot of good. Sure. It can. Sure. Obviously, there's a problem with you know racism and homophobia mm. and all that, and it's going to take some time to. There certainly is a lot of things to be sorted out on there. And also on the mental health side, I think we need more. Um, it'd be good if it's like, like more of the players. They are, but we need more of them to help them with the stigma. To yeah. say, yeah, I've had this issue, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I, mean, I know they're probably concerned about amidst the next, they're going to get, you know, abuse from the fans anyway. Mm. But I think overall, though, most fans would be quite understanding and say, good for you, mate, for, you know, say, speaking up about your feelings. I think you make a really sound point. I think um, th- there's been some high-profile players who have come out and talked about their mental health. Uh, shout out to the Newcastle United Foundation as well because we've been um, they've been on our show as well and they're a community led group from the club and they've done really fantastic work in sort of promoting community mental health. So yeah, a reminder for listeners, you know, Walk and Blether. I mean, credit to you and Paul because um, you guys were really wanting to be on Mentally Sound and I think in terms of the podcast, uh, I think you were the first guest aside from you know Nikki and myself. You know, has been part of the podcast and one of course one of the big things that you've got up and running since then um in in light of what we do here as mentally sound is that you've launched a podcast so how did that come about richie that was, that was my idea and I, I, I know um i couldn't really have paul on the podcast that much he has been on it once mm. but yeah he's been quite busy but um i've got two friends who i used to work with in the care home yeah. Nearby where they live. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I said to them, I remember saying to them, I about we say a podcast. And one of them goes, What's a podcast? <laughs> so I had to explain what podcast is. And it just went from there. And the, and the, and the thing is, you see, um, she, she, she's got a, a baby boy, he's about 11 months. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> a lot of people tune in so they're going to hear him. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like a, like a wee family and friends having a wee chat, a cup of tea, you know. Yeah. But I mean, so we started that in uh, right, this Wednesday, will be our 30 podcast. We didn't just have three months. Cool. And really good for us. Um, every week we'll do a different subject. It could be. Um, we want to talk about autism, um, we'll talk about relationships, uh, this week we're going to talk about exercise and yoga, and, but it's really the range of people we'll be speaking to, not just um, like maybe some people we know from the local community, we've spoken with MSPs, we've got, um, on Wednesday we've got uh, Jonathan Cassandra, he's the Dundee Council leader. Mm. Um, this Wednesday, we've had um, like guys that uh, one of the guys that runs the Andy Mans Club. Uh, we've had um, a Norwich comedian from Galway called Sir Stephen Timothy. He does the Farmer Michael. Check out Farmer Michael because <laughs> because basically whatever whatever he's saying, uh, he, he actually um, Sir Stephen is actually talking about the opposite. You know, like there's one, one of them, because my wife's name's Kathleen, and the way that 
Meanwhile, so we're going, Kathleen, Kathleen, all the other Irish accent. And uh, you know, well, the first time we saw it was talking about women's football. But this guy, he's had his own mental health problems as well, you know. So, yeah, his name's Steve, has Timothy. And me and Val Shades, we had a really good conversation with with him. We were talking about um, dementia that particular week. But I mean, I... The way I look at it is I want to make it informed, uh, interesting, but fun as well. Yeah. For us, and yeah. the person who's listening. I mean, we always go through, like, helplines, you know, um, like you just said, you know, talk about GPs and then that. We go through helplines, contacts, even apps. On that particular subject where people can get help when they're listening. And we also do, um, like, some... I often do a poem um, each week. Didn't know you were into your poetry, um, Richie. How did that come about? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been into uh, writing poems, lyrics, songs, oh, for all, oh, since I can remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really into um, um, the blues. And I can remember one of my first songs on, on top of uh, our shed. I was doing some back and down to Brighton. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was only about, what, a four, ten, eleven. Yeah. So, yeah, I was to walk to, to my nans, make a song up, you know. So, you, it sounds yeah. like you've got a really, um, you know, brilliant calibre of guests. Um, how did you how did you propose to them about wanting to be part of your project? I use social media and oh. I just ask them. Um, and... And yeah, they were, they were obviously mean, very receptive, yeah? Sorry? They were obviously very receptive to what you were what you yeah, wanting to yeah. do. Well, I mean, we've got, um, what one is it? I think it's on the 23rd, we've got my local MP, Wendy Chamberlain. Excellent. So we're going to be talking to her. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we're, we're trying to now to do a campaign about is get a crisis centre okay. set up. In Dundee, because there's only one in Scotland, um, in um, Edinburgh, and I used to work for the organisation that did that. It's a great place for someone that's not in a good place. Uh, it's kind of how can I say? It's, it's half if they're feeling um, really low, depressed, they can go there, they can have a good chat, have a cup of tea, they can even like. Stay a night or two. It's a, so they don't have to go like to somewhere like Carthew, like a, um, a mental hospital. You know, it's it's, it's more informal. Hmm. And Dundee, yeah. especially as I've already said, Ricky, you know, having such high amount of people commit suicide here, sadly, hmm. Dundee is desperate. Really, hmm. I think it needs something like a crisis centre. So. We've been talking with like um, local councillors and MPs to, to try and get it out there more because it's been talked about for quite a few years, yeah. and that's one thing we're now doing regularly on the podcast is talking about the getting a crisis centre. Obviously, this year, been as it is, it's yeah. difficult. You know, um, we, we don't know where the finance is going to be and. Who's going to set it up? There's a lot to it, but if we can get, you know, some kind of goodwill from the local government, that would be great. Mm. 
so you mentioned um, you know you know particular uh, landmark in Dundee has sadly become a, a, a prominent sort of suicide spot. Um, I find it therefore astonishing that that there's only one crisis centre in the whole of Scotland. I mean, not, so it's great as well. Uh, I guess one one aspect of your podcast is from a, a campaigning point of view that that you're addressing the need for for such places to exist without without them this this problem is only going to exacerbate isn't it and and become worse because i imagine with with lockdown i mean could you is it possible to paint a picture of what lockdown has been like in scotland in regards to mental health and suicide do you uh i would say i'm very concerned that we're going to have another pandemic Hmm. on the mental health side, hmm. I think people's mental health, and I've already seen signs of it, I think it's going to get to the stage where, when I say pandemic, I mean on the mental health side, people are going to, there's going to be more yeah. uh, people yeah. want, need, wanted to sadly take uh, their own lives. Hmm. And, because uh, what it is, you know, people you know got nowhere to go. Cause, you know, for example, um, the local uh, pub that I go to, which is Paul's Pub, I know that people take mental health and alcohol not good mix, and, it, and, they, and it's right. But on the other hand, the pub is also a good way of social interaction, mm. and it's been studied to prove that it's good for a man and his mental health to go to the pub, not just to, to go there and get absolutely paralytic, but to go and see a mate, you know? Mm. I mean, I go in the Bow Gate, and there's all those old boys, they're sitting there watching the TV. Mm. They're not watching school, they're watching cooking programmes, <laughs> and they're talking about what the person's cooking. Mm. And I have to laugh about that. That's what it's all about. I mean, these old guys, a lot of them are on their own, right? And they need somewhere to go. That was actually one of my. That was actually one of my questions, um, Richie, because from from Paul's perspective of of you know owning a pub, he he must see a lot of um, as you as you've explained, um, people going in with their problems and and allow allowing. <laughs> I mean, in, in in a sense, you're saying that the pub, and you're you're very right to point out that there can be issues with alcohol. Um, but it it is a sense like a platform for people for guys especially to unload on their problems and share it with their mates and uh, and even and I, I imagine Paul's sorry said to you that even the pub industry under lockdown has become under threat. So, um, when you have these sort of hubs taken out of the community. Where where's there's le- where is there left for 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 guys to meet up and and share you know feelings? That's a really good question, Ricky. And now it's about time. I really don't know. Mm. Because, I mean, okay, there might um, there might be um, a, you know, a cafe or something like that. Mm. But when you go somewhere like um, the pub and I'm not saying we'll go to a pub, you know. I mean, I'm not just, I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm in there every day if I'm not, you know. Mm. But for these old guys particularly, it's just somewhere for them to go, mm. to get out of the house. Yeah. To, to actually have some human contact. Mm. And where, particularly with Paul's been concerned, he's actually been trying to keep an eye on one or two people, you know, to see that they're okay. 
But it has also, I think it's having an effect on him. Mm. I mean, he's told me once or twice, you know, he's been, what, basically bored. Mm. Um, I mean, that's why, uh, what I try to do uh, through my friends is go walking. Mm. Um, this is what I've been doing quite a bit this year, mm. walking a lot more. Um, particularly on, on, on a Saturday, maybe every two weeks, you know, go for, and I really enjoy it, maybe walk eight, nine miles, mm. and if it's a nice sunny day, I don't think nothing can beat the walk, you know, go, go, go to a cafe, mm. I mean, you've got to think about, obviously, the social distancing, mm. you've got to face masks, wash your hands, you know, blah, 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 we follow all that anyway, mm. you know, mm. and and on the walk, we got uh, my friend Val. She's a fully qualified nurse, so any issue, you know, that's taken care of. Brilliant. You know, any medical aid, yeah. and it's good because it's dogs, children, adults, all together, going for a walk, having a chat, and having a great time. Yeah. You've posted uh, quite a bit on uh, Menti Sounds Facebook page. A lot, a lot of the, you, you've gained a lot of. Uh, media um, attention quite recently. So, um, what's that been like? I mean, has it has the walking blather kind of gone beyond expectations, or do you have higher goals in mind? Where do you see it going? Especially, hopefully, on the other side of lockdown, what would you like to see its progression go? Uh, um, well, we're at the four of us, me, Paul, Van, Chef, are meeting up actually tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And what we're wanting to do is set up Walk and Blair as a charity trust. Right, right. So, um, so yeah. So what we want to do is like, let's say um, we're planning a walk in um, the 25th of January. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year we'll set the Burns night. Mm-hmm. And we'll, hopefully we can do that. Mm-hmm. And also we want to do one in... Um, in March, yeah. uh, um, that's gonna, we want to do that. That's going from Arbroath mm. to Dundee. And Arbroath is about 16 miles yeah. right, uh, northeast of Dundee for people like you might not know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're, we're, gonna have, we're, we're also talking about maybe doing a, a book where, because all the me, Chase, Val written poems. So, Hopefully, we can get a book together and get that published. And um, also talking about maybe doing one of those trial, um, one of those things where you know one of you does swim, the other does a cycle. One, you know, those try what's it called? Uh, you know, one of those that marathon things. But they got one does a swim, one does cycling, or something, one does a, a run. It's like an Iron, yeah, Man, Iron Man really sort of thing, isn't it? It's sort of like... Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to be doing swimming because I can't swim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we got that. I will also talk about doing the, the West Highland Way. Mm-hmm. So we've got loads of ideas. And, and we're... Um, the three of us are, are getting a lot from doing the podcast on a Wednesday. I mean, particularly for um, Shaz having the baby, it's really helped her immensely because she's a single mum. Mm. And it's, you know, she's seen 
me and Val, mm. and it's really helped her mental health immensely. She's been quite shy at first, so I've tried to each week try to say, look, we need. I want you to do a bit more on the podcast. Mm. So now we've got this like consult with Shez, and she's got like five or six pages where she's reading off stuff. You know what she's researched. It's brilliant. Mm. And the other week she was even interviewing a, a young guy. Um, it's got autism, and she recorded that. He, he knew it'd be recorded. Yeah. I said, "Come on, I want you to be a bit more proactive." Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So interesting from the 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 recent additions from you know the the, the female oh, yeah. end. Is there a lot? Is there a lot for them that they can relate to the, your the guy's subject matter? So it becomes quite generic then. Yeah, I have I have noticed when I look at the figures, it started it off. I'm um, doing a podcast kind of fifty fifty, yeah. but now it's going more towards um, more women listening than men. Right. Uh, I'm really trying to get it to be more um, more equal. I mean, last last week we spoke with a lead dead counsellor for Dundee and also talked to uh, a former woman uh, professional footballer Kirsty mm. she just played for Dundee United and one of other clubs mm. so um, I, I'm you know, trying to get that balance on you know on the gender yeah. but I, I feel that it's pretty for me it's fairly neutral whoever sex well, Whatever gender is listening to the podcast, I think it should appeal to anyone. Mm. That's what really the whole podcast is about, isn't it? With you, you know, mm. whoever you are, whatever creed, race, it shouldn't matter. You know, if you want to talk to that person. I mean, you know, there's not a there's not a demographic which uh, is um, invisible to to mental health. I mean, it affects us all. So if we can reach across all, I mean, even more, more credit to you guys. But steering it back towards uh, mental health for for guys, Richie, um, where do you think we are in regards to uh, men's mental health in terms of um, how we discuss it? Um, are we are we at the tip of the iceberg, or do you think that we've we've made some ground? There's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, you can use you can use sort of fo- more football analogies because um, um, you know as we've illustrated in in our earlier chat. Um, We've we've succeeded in making football and mental health become like a marriage in a way that that the two things aren't alien to one another, you know. So, where do you think we are with all that? Well, if I'm going to use like a, a football phrase, uh, I would say um, early doors, okay, mm. but there's still a lot of room for improvement. Mm. There's still quite a long way to go, still. Yeah, but early doors. It's looking good, mm. but um, locally, nationally, I think there's still a lot to do. Mm. Um, I mean, I've seen uh, stats for up to November of 2019, and 74% that committed suicide in Scotland were men. Yeah. Were they young men, do you know, or was it sort of across the board? Uh, I think, from what I can see, I think there does seem to be a worrying trend where the the, the, the percentage that the young men has it's gone up. Obviously, the highest range is like between like the thirty-five to forty-five-ish yeah. range, age range that mm-hmm. have committed suicide. Mm-hmm. But 
I mean, I'm, with this um, COVID, I'm concerned that when the stats come out later next yeah. year, they'll yeah. be even higher. Yeah. Yeah. We've still got, that's why we still need more blood in these professional footballers. Well, what happened to that football, Ricky? It could be any sport. Mm. Come out and talk about the feelings. Mm. You know, to end this where you got, you know, let's go, oh, you've got a man up, mm. grow a pair, and all that. Get rid of that. Mm. That should be completely out of people's dictionaries. I'm being out of banner sort of phrases. I, I mean, I want my son, who's 11, if he's feeling low, he can either come to me or his mum or his granddad, his friend, his teacher, and say, look, I'm struggling. I want him to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. Where I don't feel I was always able to express myself to um, my parents because they were from a different generation. So, but I don't want that for my son. I want him to come to me. And experience. I mean, he's joined me on quite a few walks, you know. Lovely. And I'm hoping he's got a lot from it too. Excellent. Something about, do you think the football has a sort of um, a, a macho image to some degree, which is hard to, which makes it a hard nut to crack? Because I notice things like cricket, cricket especially actually, I know that a lot of um, current cricketers and, and ex-cricketers have, have uh, come about with their mental health. Someone is prominent in, say, Marcus Trescothic wrote a brilliant yes. book. Football, in a sense, needs more of those sorts of trailblazers um, to, to write books and, and um, to, to be open and honest. And, and some have, but because football, you know how it is, it's, it's the biggest sport here. It's, it's, um, there's, there's quite a lot of intimidation, you know. Uh, I know that, you know, you talk about, you mentioned homophobia, for example, um, that if, 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 if a top-flight footballer came out, you know, the, the, the sort of things that he might fear when playing at away grounds, the kind of name-calling and so forth. And you can imagine something similar um, with mental health. I mean, because of, we're living in an era where, you know, social media and a lot of, you know, pressures amongst players that would probably feel that they can't do that in the current atmosphere, but we it's up to us to, to, to say, no, no, you absolutely can. You know, we've got your back. Do you know what I mean? I mean, look at the Women's World, World Cup, you know, the, the main, like, superstar, you know, is, is gay, you know? There's no issue there, but with, I think there's only been one ever case where a footballer's come out and was just in fashion. Yeah. I think for a guy to come out and say he's gay, mm. I would really admire it and I would praise that person to the hill, but that guy would go through so much stuff. Would you, that'd be unfair, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's hard enough for someone to say they've got a mental health problem, mm. but to say that, you know, they're gay as well, oh, mm. I, don't, I don't know how they would cope, mm. really, because mm. we, we, we are, I mean, there's this is a stigma around mental health, but the homophobia, especially some mm. um, certain teams in London that we could talk about, mm. like we've been in the press recently, you know, for booing their own players for taking in the, the knee, for example. 
crowd, yeah. I mean, the thing with football compared to cricket and rugby is working class, right? Mm. So working class bloke thinks he's really, you know, he's macho. That that is where the football um, bodies really got to do a lot of work on. I know mm. they do a lot. The clubs do a lot of work in the community, like you've mentioned Newcastle. My team, Palace, do. I know the Dundee teams do. And Dundee United, they do loads of stuff in the community. Mm. But there's still so much more um, to be done. Mm. And I think, I think it could be some years before we see any um, transformation, difference in what people's perceptions in mental health and, you know, um, if you're gay or straight or whatever. I mean, for me, I've always said I don't care if whoever plays for my team is pink, black, blue, brown, gay, straight, whatever. I feel I don't care. A lot of the times do well for my team, I don't care what they are. Yeah. I, I couldn't care less, Ricky. Mm. As long as my team wins, like they did on yesterday, I don't care. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You guys, you guys played really well, actually. I watched the highlights. Uh, Richie, a, a little bit now about to the regional variations. You know, you're you're you South London boy. You 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 you're up in Scotland now. Have you noticed sort of variation as to how we we talk about mental health, especially from a guy's perspective? Are there regional variations, or do you think we're all in the same boat together wherever we are in the country? Uh, I would say. Um, with your question, there's differences, but there is pretty much the same as well. And what, what, what I mean with the differences is how, because we've got the whole government here in Scotland. Yeah. Um, I, I feel, I, don't, I, mean, I could be wrong, but I feel that the Scottish government a bit more understanding in regards to mental health compared with the UK government. Would you would you put that down to that there's more social issues up in Scotland that need to be addressed? Well, um, yeah, Bullets and Dundee, I, I, I just live on the other side of the Tayro Bridge in okay, Newport, which right. is uh, Newport, five. Yeah. So are there are there are there more social issues over there compared to down south? Is that was that one of the reasons you think? I mean, yeah, Dundee has got a lot of social issues with drugs and alcohol. Okay. Um, it's got a lot of issues. Um, I mean, also, I, I worked in Edinburgh as a support worker for about nearly 10 years. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's like any city, Ricky. You know, like you go to someone like, like around Newcastle, you know, you've got some nice bits and you've got some bits that aren't so good, mm. you know? Yeah. But, I mean, um, I think for... Ask, you have to ask guys and mental health. <laughs> a lot of it, I suppose, is to do with our background, where we were, where we grew up. Mm. Um, I'm from a working class house estate, you know, in South London, mm. and I've, you know, and I've seen lots of things, as yeah. you can imagine. Um, but <sighs> I try and, or hope that I've the good the. The bad stuff hasn't any influences on me in my personality. Mm. But um, there are some bits obviously you do with my mental health. 
there's still things like you know, from one's childhood that you still have to yeah. get your head around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even when you get to you know, my age, I'm 51 now. Oh, you look at you look. Don't look at you. You look a lot younger. So, um, <laughs> Thanks for that, mate. I was gonna. I was gonna ask me. Was there? Send it. Send it Um, you you sound in in. Obviously, uh, we all celebrate how far Walking Blether has has achieved. Has achieved. You're in a in a very good place. Would you? Is there anything in 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 your recent sort of life where you would pay tribute as to? Uh, turning the corner specifically where the people of inspiration I know that you mentioned your family um, especially that got got you through the recent lockdowns I've had my own troubles as you know that we've talked about personally but would you like to pay tribute to certain people places um, uh, that's made you sort of turn to get to get where you are now well um, well, the one one person I would like to pay tribute to would be my wife Kathleen She's she's always been there for me. Um, and whenever I've been like, you know, rock bottom, she's always found a way of picking me up. But you know, the girl is so speaking. Yeah, making me see that she's always got a very positive outlook on life, yeah. which is not amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, and also you need you need your friends as well. Like a very small circle of friends. And that's mm. how I like it, you know. Mm. I mean, you know, you've got these people, you know, they say, oh, I've got 3,000 friends on, on Facebook. Mm. Well, okay. Mm. And how often do you see them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, never met them. Mm. Well, they're not really friends, are they? Mm. Uh, you know, for me, friends and family is really important. I mean, and, and you know, and my son, he's got a cracker sense of humour. Mm. Um, I think he's got my humour. I kind of based my humour between Ronnie Barker and Spike Milligan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not bad, is it? They're, they're two. They're two of my comedy icons as well. Um, Richie, yeah. you, me- you mentioned your time as a support worker in Edinburgh for a good ten years. You must have yes. seen a hell of a lot in that time. Um, can you can you give us some examples of the sort of things that you saw from? Uh, specifically a, a men's mental health perspective which um, you using your own experience were able to help out in certain situations without getting too personal obviously because we want to respect people's privacy but um, in Edinburgh Edinburgh is a city close to my heart actually I regard Edinburgh as my sort of second home yeah, yeah. I mean Edinburgh is my favourite city I love Edinburgh mm. um, yeah I mean <laughs> See, the way I came at it, I mean, a support worker, mm. and it's been my, it's our motto, which we use on the podcast, and that is to help people to help themselves. Mm. And I like to think when I was there, I was I like to think outside the box. Mm. I mean, I can give you an example. There's one guy um, who sadly passed away some years ago now. Um, we had bipolar. Mm. And he found a family down south in England, mm. uh, I think in Surrey. Mm. And he lived in Leith, and mm. he would never go no further than say, oh, he wouldn't even go more than a mile. Mm. It just 
from where he stayed, it would, it would just go to the shops and that'd be about it. Mm. And just go back home to his cat. Mm. And he told me one day, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, what? I booked flights to go down to England. I said, that's brilliant. That's great. Mm. So he said, well, he told me when the flights was. So what am I going to do? I said, leave it with me. So what I did was, <laughs> um, on my day off, I went in, into town, went, went to his house, I said, come on, we'll get to where to get the bus, and then we had to get the airport bus to, to Edinburgh Airport. And basically, I saw him near enough onto the plane, <laughs> and then when he came, he came back, um, I picked him up and, and then and then um, took him home. But uh, I probably broke uh, a few rules doing that. But I thought, well, how was he going to do it? <laughs> you know, I, I I knew that if I hadn't done that, there's no way he would have been able to do it. He would have lost his money, and he wouldn't have been able to go. You know, pretending me like you know he was out with his. Um, family, they were dancing, they did this, they, they you know, had a great time, and then they were talking about coming out to Scotland to see him. Mm. So, and he was on Cloud Mary came back. So, yeah. What? I mean, the amount of um, people that I, you know, I met, oh, I stayed in touch with one family. I mean, <laughs> this is one family, um, <laughs> It was like going to uh, a Jeremy Kyle sort of show, even though that's not my sort of program, Ricky. Mm. But you'd go there and they'd be you know, on their phones, and they wouldn't be talking to each other, they'd be shouting, right? Mm. And this took me a little while to get used to. Mm. So what I had to do is say to the guy that I was supporting, I said, look, I know you want to be with your family, but for you and for myself, it's better if we go out in this walk, we'll go for a walk, we'll go to a cafe, you know. And, you know, in the end, we'll, we'll, we won't, um, well, the term that they, they use is service user, which I hate that term. Mm -hmm. To me, they're a person that I'm sporting. Mm -hmm. So, in the end, we became all like friends, we were. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, one thing is, um, well, he was a massive football fan, Hibbs. Mm. So we could talk football, and he liked Max, you know, he didn't have a lot of interest. So, but gradually I got more and more out of him because he had, um, he'd got Kosakoff syndrome, which is uh, drinking induced uh, dementia. And, I mean, at first it was really tricky um, going there twice a week. If we didn't go out, I was there for three hours. Mm. And it could be really, you know, difficult, really mm. tasking for, for me, you know? Mm. Because I just want you to bring in that situation where people are just literally shouting at each other. Mm. Not, not having an argument, but that's how they work, you know? Mm. So it was, um, it was obviously a, a le huge learning curve for you. Um, would you also, what, what would you say um, is the fundamental differences between the line of work of a support worker and that of a, say, a social worker? Because I imagine a lot of people might see it as a quite similar thing. What, what was the difference about your your particular aspect to your well, work? I, 
what I found was the only difference was <laughs> really is the social worker was probably middle class and went to university <laughs> and I learned London. Yeah. So you were you were sort of front line, more kind of raw, kind of direct, rather than having to follow all these sorts of procedures that a social worker might have had to do. Would, would I be right? No, I, I, I didn't follow uh, policies and procedures, mm. but quite often I would think outside the box. Mm. You know, I mean, um, I looked and read up on um, so, uh, there was a Canadian professor. His name was Dr. Abraham Hoffer, mm. and he done studies where if people were, were taking a certain amount of minerals, mm. it could help with, if they got, say, schizophrenia, for example, you sure. know? Mm-hmm. I mean, because you look at the pharmaceutical industry, it is so huge. I'm not saying, you know, um, if someone's got a mental health issue, they mustn't take uh, their medication. But I think there's been more looked into like certain foods you can eat that are known to be good mood foods, you know. Um have got serotonin, things like beetroot, um, dark chocolate, bananas, you know, that sort of things. I think more should be studied into that. And I try to get like a, a good mood food group going where I worked. But I always seem to be... I always seem to have issues with one or two um, management. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I was a good team player, but, <laughs> but it's like I seem to be always hitting the head against a brick wall. Hmm. I'm going, why can't I do this? Hmm. Why, why, why can't I do that? Hmm. So I had to find other ways. Yeah. But it sounds like you were quite successful in doing that, the, you know, particularly. To some degree, yeah. I mean, I remember um, one guy, um, he's got um, schizophrenia, and I arranged for him to see someone. I, I believe a lot with in alternative therapies, mm-hmm. things like Reiki, reflexology, things like that. Mm-hmm. And this guy wouldn't go anywhere on his own. Mm-hmm. And where he lived, to get into Edinburgh, it's, it's, it's a good half an hour plus on the bus. Mm-hmm. And just before I left, I found out he was actually going into town um, on his own. Now, he's had problems with hearing voices since, oh, I think he would say since the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for someone like that, to go into town on their own, mm. that's a massive leap forward. Absolutely. Massive. Yeah. Well, credit to you, mate. It sounds like you made a lot of ground with a lot of people in, in that city. I still, I'm still kind of reeling in shock in a way that, um, you know, Scotland is a is a country I dearly, dearly love. Um, but to find to to know that there's only one crisis centre for the whole of the country is, I mean, you know. Any any ground you make can help. Good luck to you. It's needed, and uh, if there's any, if we can help in any way, then please do because you know we're only a short hop from the border, as it were. Um, yeah. Final, final, final. Um, couple of questions, um, Richie. Um, so you have more walks, more walks planned. 
Um, for anyone listening out there who are interested in, in, in these sorts of things, um, obviously lockdown rules and social distancing stuff. So how are you guys going about to make sure that, you know, that you can carry on with these sort of things, given the current climate and, and, and you know, making sure that everyone's sort of safe and socially distanced? Yeah. Well, what um, I normally do and what I have done is uh, I'll get in touch with the local council mm. and also I've been in touch with the local police. I mean, the, for the walk on the 25th of January, it depends on what kind of tier Dundee is in. Mm. At the moment, tier three. There's no way a walk could happen. Mm. If it, I'm hoping, from what I'm hearing from um, on the media, from the SP leader Nicola Sturgeon. It looks like Dundee should be in two, but I'm hoping by then she might reduce it down to one. That would be fantastic if it was. But like I said earlier, probably me and my friends do uh, a walk on, well, when we were doing the walk every two weeks, we kept, you know, our social distancing. I mean, if this walk can happen, um, we also want to include uh, the local ice hockey team in Dundee as well. So we're not just centred just around football. We're, we're trying to include another, you know, sports as well. Because I think just football fans that have, as we've always said, have mental health issues. It's any kind of sports fan. But um, if people are interested in um, one of the turn out or get more information then we've got Mook and Blever on, on Facebook I'm um, hoping at some point in time we'll have our website as well uh, I think we're also on Instagram and um, there's also the, uh, the the Twitter as well sure. yeah that was going to be one of my questions as to how people get in touch but you've, you've answered that yeah Really, really well. Um, any anything more you want to advertise, uh, Richie, the, for those who, um, I mean, first of all, let's spend a couple of minutes describing what the feeling of what walking means to mental health. Because I use walking, and I also do a lot of running. Um, I had a I had a pretty bad second lockdown compared to the first, and only in the last few days I've been getting sort of running back into my schedule, and I, and I feel the benefits. Um, but what what is it what is it about the outdoors that you think does to a person that allows them to open up and does for their mental health compared to maybe you know the old sort of stereotype of 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 talking to a therapist you know in in a laid back chair you know a very clinical kind of because I I think that that's that's fastly becoming a thing of the past now I think more and more people are are getting used to the idea and feeling the benefits of 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 you know. Um, talking outside and, and, and combining walking and talking and, and that's so obviously you know um, encapsulated by what, what you guys do you know you've combined them both very well well for one thing um, Richard, you know it's there's no chance it's free isn't it I mean Absolutely. to go walk I mean but also I, I think it's well I don't know about other people other people but for myself I like to be like Especially you know in the spring and the summer with nature, I like you know being near the water, um, being seeing bees and butterflies, and just and having a chat with someone, you know mm-hmm. whether it's a friend, it's um, a loved one, 
think under lockdown we i think society in a sense kind of fell in love with nature again didn't we we were sort of we, on, we only had that one hour to to leave the house and when we did we we tried to make the most of it and we felt the benefits again and and i'd, and I'd even say so as well that even though this is this is the winter compared to the first lockdown um i, I get excited by winter scenery as much as i do back in the spring some of the um i know we have we have snowy weather um coming up and I know that might be hazardous to some but um yeah. there's still ways and means around it. I mean, yes it means that we'll have to wrap up a lot more. But um I am looking I'm looking forward to it, um, personally speaking, because I I, lo- I, I'm, I love the winter. But there you go, that's me. <laughs> I mean where where our, our cottage it's an old fisherman's cottage and we can put logs down. Mm, we can just sit there. No TV, no music, and just sit there and watch the fire for hours. Yeah. It's so, so relaxing, it's unreal, Ricky, you know? Fantastic. Well, um, Richie, uh, we've reached the end of this. Um, I just thank you very much for your time and give our love to, to Paul and rest of the team. And uh, anything you want to update us on regarding uh, Walking Blather, because I, I think what you guys are doing is, is brilliant, then give us a shout out and. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll do another crossover podcast um, sometime soon. And um, thanks for raising issues of mental health and specifically men's mental health as well. Uh, thanks for giving us the picture of what it's like up in Scotland because I- I'm so, so so very much interested because it's a, a place dear to my heart. You know, it's it's you know a lot of my a lot of my childhood memories are, are, are you know um, born out of being up in Scotland in, in my early years because yeah, my dad used to have a market up in Edinburgh. Um. So, yeah, yeah. Around um, I don't know if you've heard of a place called East Fortune. It's sort of a place outside Edinburgh, next to an airfield. You used to have an old Vulcan uh aeroplane that used to be stationed right outside the airfield, and I can still see it to stay very vividly. Yeah, I just lived in a place called um Ormiston. That's not far from the airport. I love it well. Yeah. And I'll tell you what I have missed, Richie, is um. Almost every year, I've always come up to Edinburgh for the for the festival for the Fringe, and uh, I've yeah. really kind of missed that as well. So hopefully, I mean that'll be a great place actually the the actual Fringe festival to for for us and and you to possibly you know raise awareness on such a platform because I think it's a great way of um, getting getting this sort of thing out there, you know. So, um, but yeah, this is uh, this has been Ricky Thamen uh, talking to Richie from Walking and Bladder. 
Uh, please join us again next week uh, on Spice FM and on our social media. We will have our next episode. Thank you very much, Richie. Pleasure talking to you again. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye.